passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome, Browns backers. I'm Chuck Campisi, joined by Tony Dick, and this is Believe in the Browns. And just to give you a quick background on who your hosts are, Tony Dick worked in various capacities with the Browns over the course of 21 seasons with the team. So when he mentions being in the building, it's being in the building. He started with the team as a member of the Browns crew in 91, worked with them up until the time they left for the city who shall not be named. Uh, <laughs> he rejoined the Browns upon their return to Cleveland and served his last nine years with the team as the team's manager of alumni relations before leaving in October of 2015. Tony is also a member of the Pro Football Researchers Association and has served as a research assistant for several documentary projects with NFL Films, NBC Sports, Time Warner Cable Sports Channel, and Epics. Myself, I have experience in the sports industry in various capacities with Major League Baseball teams, NCAA programs, the Miami Dolphins, the Buffalo Bills, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where I earned a Super Bowl ring with the Buccaneers. Super Bowl, anybody? 37. 37. Uh, and between Tony and I, we've probably worked about 20 Super Bowls. We're brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Welcome, Browns backers. We're back after a brief respite where Tony and I took a little bit of a vacation time from the Browns Believe podcast. But we're back. We're back. So it's Chuck Campisi and Tony Dick here with Browns Believe, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast for professionals. Do you believe? Again, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. That's B-L-E-A-V Podcasts. You can also find us at Browns Believe. That's at Browns, B-L-E-A-V. Today, we're going to talk about the potential Miles Garrett signing, the new coaches, through the Bill Walsh program that the Browns have brought on board, and Baker Mayfield, and in essence, then the George Floyd issue and how it's kind of bubbled up through the NFL over the past few weeks. That's probably the biggest topic that we've missed. There hasn't been a lot of football going on here in Cleveland, but there are some conversations that we'll have around those things towards the end. We'll start with the probably the simplest, the easiest thing first, Tony. Miles Garrett. ESPN reporting a mega deal in the works. Um, what do you think about this and, and any idea of maybe contract length, terms? What do you got? Well, for me, obviously, it, it makes sense to get him locked in and, and, and you know, in the books. Uh, I 
you know, the, the one thing that I've kind of been tracking the last couple of weeks is the, um, and I, I don't know if it's going to happen, is the clowny signing. I mean, to me, um, I don't know. I, I'm not, not a big numbers guy. I haven't been tracking the, the, uh, the wallet of the team, if you will. <laughs> but, um, I, I mean, I just, I'm all for it. I just, I just hope that it leaves room because I still think we, we have time and we do have needs that um, need to be filled elsewhere. I'm just hoping that um, we're leaving room to sign some other folks because uh, as I look at the defense, I know the last time we got together was about three weeks ago, and that's one of the things we talked about was that you know how the defense really still needs improvement, and um, how we don't have really a starting linebacker maybe on our roster. Yeah, so I would I would hope I get I get this getting him locked in, but um, they do have they do have they have the most right now they have the most cap space of any team in the league. They have thirty seven million left. That is plenty of money. I think to bring in some linebackers and get Clowney and Garrett because then Garrett's going to be a monster signing bonus, right? So that's going to be spread out over the life of the deal. So you're going to take probably a lower hit in year one, and you maybe even build the hits in based on the amount of money you have left, kind of moving forward through the years. Um, it's going to be interesting though to see how teams play it because there are projections that the cap is going to go down next year because of potentially lost revenue from coronavirus this year. Um, so it will be interesting. But I think I, I, I think I agree with you on the, you know, I, I don't know exactly what that number is going to be. I think, you know, Garrett's kind of in the in the driver's seat here to, to an extent, right? Because he doesn't have to sign right now, you know. So you play 17, 18, 19. If he plays the 20 season, you know they've already done the fifth-year option. So for him, he's actually not going to be a free agent next year anyway. So even if it was a lower cap year, he can still play it with the Browns on that fifth-year option, and then they'll transition him or franchise him or anything. He's going to get big dollars either way. So I think he's a little bit in the driver's seat. I think it's incumbent upon the team to make an offer that, you know, Khalil Max at at $23.5 million a year – um, Frank Clark is at 20. Um, you know, Demarcus Lawrence is at 21. I mean, you're putting, yeah. you know, I'm not saying necessarily Miles Garrett's Khalil Mack, but I think he's Demarcus Lawrence or Frank Clark. Um, he's definitely Frank Clark. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, and that was a little bit of an abnormality from a cap standpoint. Um, but, you know, so you're looking at 20 some million dollars a year. Plenty of space in there to, to bring him in, especially if, again, if you're going to do a signing bonus, you can lower that cap hit for this year and then bring in a decent couple of linebackers. And, you know, it might be tough to squeeze Clowney in with that, but it, it's possible. Yeah, well, and with Clowney, I mean, the longer he drags his feet, I mean, I realize, you know, we, we're not open for business yet, so he's not missing anything. But, but uh, I think the longer he drags his feet, the, the less likely it you know, it is that we have the ability to, to sign him. Um, it, it'd be a nice addition, um, but I do think with Garrett, the nice thing about Garrett is on a young team um, that has a bright future, you need to lock up your stars, and, and it's good to know that your, your stars are going to be there. Um, 
you know, because that's the one concern I know we've addressed before is, you know, we, we go into this season and let's say we start getting things together or things don't come together, then what happens? Um, you know, people start to fall off. People start to head out. And, and for a lot of it, it's inevitable. You're, you're not going to be able to keep everyone. But you certainly want to keep those cornerstone people, which I think Miles certainly falls in that category, both on and off the field. I mean, he has really impressed me. I know last year. <laughs> I, think, but, I, think, uh, I think everybody knows last year. Yeah, but um, <laughs> he's really impressed me with the way he's handled himself this offseason. Um, you know, just in the community, uh, most especially, obviously, on the field, they haven't had an opportunity. But in the community, I mean, he has become a rising star in that franchise. And, and I think he's someone who can become a, an actual vocal leader in the locker room which is something that we've been severely lacking for 20 years. As much as we've, we've lacked wins, um, I think most importantly, we've lacked vocal leadership within the locker room. And I think he could become someone that becomes that vocal leader, becomes the one that everybody gets behind and follows in, in, in a positive vocal leader too. I mean, we, we have in the last two years had some people that are vocal, um, not really so sure if they were the ones um, we'd want leading the group. So, um, yeah, I'm all for it. You know, if it's me, and, and, you know, I'm not, you know, it's easy for me to say it's not my money. Right? <laughs> Pay the man. Pay the man. Well, I mean, in essence, it is, right? I mean, uh, you know, for all the, the gear and all the stuff that people buy, it's it's technically your money uh, that, that you're spending uh, on the team. You know, Clowney, um, you know, really was only paid $8 million last year you know was an interesting one he's he's averaged about 15 million through the year i know he's looking for something like 20 um that's not going to happen if he's coming to cleveland um you know maybe somewhere in that 15 range but uh the longer he holds out i think again to your point i think it it does benefit the browns a little bit because they're you know Really, the Redskins are the only other team. The Redskins, Lions, Eagles, Jets, Bengals, Colts, Chargers, Dolphins. He's not going back to the Texans. Jags and Bills are the teams with over $20 million, right? He's going to eat up the majority of that. So you're looking at really those low $20 million teams are probably out of the gate because they're still going to have to sign other players. The Lions, the Redskins, and the Browns are the only teams with approximately $30 million or over. The Lions are at 29-2, Redskins at 36-5, and the Browns at 37-2. Those are really, right now, unless some teams make some big cuts during training camp or right now, those are really the only teams that I think can really absorb him and fill their other needs. And if you're looking at the Browns, the Redskins, and the Lions... Yeah, I, I gotta imagine the Browns are your top choice there. Yeah, they have to be with you know, obviously the Lions being number two. I, I just Washington. I just, I, I mean, for as bad that. as the Browns have been, and I know Washington's made the playoffs a couple times during the last twenty years, more so than the Browns. That organization, since Dan Schneider has taken over, has been that's this the only positive about being a Browns fan. Almost is you're not a Redskins fan for the last twenty years. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we can work that out. Uh, I don't think it's an issue of if he's going to sign with the Cleveland Browns. I think it's more of a matter of when he's going to sign with the Cleveland Browns. As you said, if this organization wants to reach that next level, you have to keep those guys in house. I think that's their priority number one right now. 
So no, no, we were in agreement on that. So we're moving through, Tony. We have the Browns bringing in six coaches through the Bill Walsh Diversity Coaching Fellowship Program. So those coaches can get experience working with an NFL team and potentially land full-time gigs in the NFL or, you know, elevate themselves at the stations that they're at to maybe uh, a coordinator role if they're coaching at the collegiate level, if you're coaching at the high school level, maybe a head coaching position. Um, So they have some of those experiences. Applicants have to have either NFL backgrounds or coaching experience in high school, college, the CFL, or other pro leagues. Obviously, the Browns have a pretty significant history. Cleveland itself, you know, home of the Ali Summit, those types of things. As a organization, even the Indians as well, this area diversity has been, you know, uh, something that this Cleveland has been able to hang its hat on. Uh, proud history here, current general manager Andrew Barry, just one of two black general managers um, in the NFL. Uh, Stefanski just hired Kelly Bronson uh, as the chief of staff, the first full-time coach um, in Brown's history as well. So they brought in Angela Baker, played eight seasons with the Pittsburgh Passion. Uh, Elena Grigalovich, a coaching analyst pursuing her master's at Bryant University. Akron tight ends coach Chris Cook, Holy Cross assistant Ashton Grant, Southeast Missouri State assistant Ray Smith Jr., and one who may be familiar to folks, familiar to me as a as a you guy, um, Leonard Hankerson, um, wide receiver in the league for five seasons, and then played college ball with the Hurricanes and a current wide receivers coach at Stephen F. Austin. Um, you know, obviously not something that's going to move the needle necessarily from a, a player coaching standpoint. But w- what do you think of the program, folks that were selected? As far as the as far as the the program, I would touch a little bit on the history. You know, if for me having you know being a former employee, like it, 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 I do find it to be a uh, a prideful moment, if you will, when um, the Browns um, have made advances here in the last two years, most especially to um, you know that they're they have some clearly um, focused minority programs and some minority initiatives within the organization. Um, it's just great to see us get back to that. Um, and, and, you know, you've touched upon some of the, the names already, but I mean, when you think about it, I mean, this organization was started in 46 um, with Paul Brown as coach. And, and one of the first things Paul Brown did was bring in Marion Motley and Bill Willis um, to, to finally, um, you know, put a nail in the coffin of that um the color barrier in, in professional football. And that's something, you, you know, I, I'm not saying that uh, because we were a part of that, we need to constantly be patting ourselves on the back <laughs> about it. But, it. but it is a little bit sad in the fact that we don't revel in it as much as we, we do. I, I mean, I, we, we tend to kind of, eh, you know, it, it mention it here and there. I think it's something it's that, that Midwest modesty, Tony. Yeah, we should be hanging our hat on that. And as far as the legitimacy of the program, I mean, I can speak from just, you know, personal, you know, a personal anecdotal story about a, a really good friend of mine and, and a Baldwin Wallace, um, you, you know, along Tony Oden. I remember when, um, you know, Tony, who uh, worked with me on the grounds crew uh, when we were in college, um, he got an opportunity, I believe he was at East Carolina coaching, and got an opportunity to do one of these summer internships. 
And, um, I mean, it, the networking, obviously the football knowledge was huge. Um, you, you know, that that's a nice piece of it. But the networking piece of it was through the roof. And through that networking, eventually Tony was able to uh, land a job in the league. And, and over the course of the last oof, probably 16, 17 years, I, I believe his career uh, has been, I mean, he's, he's, he's utilized that um, to – you know, have a, have a job in the league with seven different teams. He won a Super Bowl um, with New Orleans. Um, currently, he's defensive backs coach for the San Francisco 49ers and a pretty good place there. So it's not – I know sometimes people look at programs like this and, and, and you want to be cynical and just, you know, uh, you know what, what are the chances of these folks making it? I mean, this, this is really um, an, an outstanding program in the fact that it – provides true opportunities for people to, like I said, not only expand their, their knowledge, but expand their network, which is the, you know, in pro sports, it's one of the most important things. So I know a lot of times, like I said, sometimes there's things that are window dressing um, that the league does. I do not think that this is one of those things. This is truly an opportunity. And for these six coaches, I'm sure if we brought them in here individually, they would say the same thing. I mean, this is a tremendous opportunity um, for them to advance their careers. And I, I kudos to the Browns and the, and the NFL for um, running um, a program like this because it's it's much needed. Yeah. I mean, uh, just, again, from personal experience, I mean, Raheem Morris, right? He was a guy who's a minority intern with the Jets in, in 2001, was able to network with some of those coaches that, that, that we knew from Tampa, we brought him in for the 2002 season to be defensive quality control coach. You know, team wins the Super Bowl this year. He stays on the staff in nine in 2009. So he does the internship at, in 2001. Full, he gets a full time coaching gig in the league in 2002. 2009, he's named the head coach of the team at 33 years old. Right? I mean, it didn't go like he wanted it to go. But he's still in the league. He's the defensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons right now. Probably in a couple years is going to be able to parlay that into another head coaching job now with, you know, not being 32 years old and being a head coach in the league, right? Probably has a slightly different perspective. Would be a guy I would definitely consider if I'm looking for another head coach in the league, right? So the program does work, right? And like you said, it's not necessarily about the coaching, Right, that these these coaches at all levels, most coaches that are good, they know what they're talking about. They're yeah, they're going to share ideas and they're going to gain some things from just being around other people. But it's that network. So when someone has an opening, that you're the guy or the girl that's top of mind, and and that's really what it's about. It's about to bring those coaches into that network. Obviously, Hankerson had a little bit of an advantage having already played in the league, but hey, all of these coaches an opportunity for them to grow and, and develop. And if nothing else, bring back maybe some better techniques, some innovative play calling to the levels that they're at to make those players on their teams better. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I know a lot of times we, we focus big picture, getting, you know, people positions within the league. But, I mean, when you're looking, um, you know, at a broader view, uh, just improving the game overall um, should be – uh, you know, a goal for everyone involved in this program because, I mean, at, at the end of the day, um, you know, going all the way down to youth, 
programs if we're not continuing to build this game eventually yeah yeah it's going to dry up and it's not like there's a whole ton of diversity at the coaching level at the collegiate level right high school is probably the most diverse coaching level you'll you'll see um but even that is a lot of times the tone (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's broken out by staff like you'll have a you have an all-black staff because you have a largely black high school you have an all-white you know so um so we'll see how that goes and hopefully these coaches will learn a lot hopefully we'll see them um yeah, it'd be awesome. Head coaches uh, somewhere in the next few years. So, Tony, as we move through, we talked about Miles Garrett. We talked about the you know new additions, um, at least till the beginning of the season or till the end of camp or till whenever these coaches have to report back to their respective um, teams. Now we move into the topic of kind of the George Floyd discussion. You know, the NFL came out with their statement, you know, saying that they were mistaken. Uh, You had several players talking about kneeling. You have potentially NBA players talking about not playing, um, which I think is a mistake because I think it then if you're not playing and and all these other leagues are playing, the WNBA, the NHL, MLB, MLS, WNWSL, uh, then you're not going to have any of the attention. At least if you're playing, you're able to try to focus um, the attention on what you want. Uh, Baker Mayfield has come out and said that he is going to kneel. Um, I'm sure there will be several other Browns players that will be doing the same. Do you think it's going to be a team thing? Uh, what are your What is your take on kind of this situation from from that standpoint of what the players going to do and and how the the league or the team is going to handle some of that, well, both internally and externally. You know, for Stefanski, this is going to be, I think, one of his first litmus tests as far as, you know, how he's looking to lead this team. I mean, obviously, the leader of your team, quote-unquote, Baker Mayfield, has already stated that he's planning on kneeling. Um, and meanwhile, Stefanski has said that it will be a, a decision made by the team. Well, I think if Baker has come out and said he's kneeling, uh, I would think the majority of the players are probably <laughs> That decision's gonna... been made. <laughs> yeah. Now, 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 with that, the one thing, and like I said, I don't want to dive too deep into this, um, as, you know, what, what my opinion, you know, means or matters is, um, you know, really only only to me. I, I mean, I'm not expecting anybody here to, um, to really care what I, I feel about this um, situation. But the one thing I will say is from day one, um, you know, since Colin um, first started, you, you know, before first sitting and then kneeling, um, you know, the, the one thing that bothers me a little bit is that there is not one player, and, and I was hoping that this would be Kaepernick, you know, when it first started, but there isn't one player, one voice who's kind of taken the lead on this. And that's really the thing that bothers me, because if you look at the world we're in today, the message has become so muddled. I, I mean... And, and it's I, I I say this jokingly. Hopefully, no one gets offended by it. But um, I, I feel like we live in this um, you know ADHD world where we can't we can't stay focused on one thing. I mean, we we started out this started out as police brutality, and now it's kind of spun into everybody who gets their hands on it. It becomes a different thing to them. Um, so for me, um, you know, I think if you're trying to build a coalition. And, and I know, too, once again, um, I know we've been over this, and it has nothing to do with disrespecting the flag. I get that. But the, the one thing I would say to Colin Kaepernick, the one thing I would say to all these NFL players is, 
if you're looking to build a coalition, if you're looking to build a mass of people that are going to get behind, um, you know, your cause, if, if there are, if there, if you're doing something that already alienates 50% of the crowd, like how do you ever hope to build a coalition? So for me, with the whole national anthem thing, I, I feel like someone, there needs to be a compromise made. Stand up for the national anthem, sing the song, lock arms, do whatever you need to do, and then after the anthem's over, ask the league to do like a moment where, where the guys take a knee all together in, in you know, both sides, you know, whatever you got to do. But I, I just feel like that you're throwing people a bone because now people can't complain. Well, but they, they you can't. could also make the question of why is the national anthem played before a sporting event to begin with? Well, I, like I mean, I mean that's I mean I think that's the right the the you can make the argument of what's the forced patriotism benefit of of playing it like it's it's not this seminal event. It's a it's a major league baseball game in June. It's a football game in October. Do we really need the national anthem to be played at all of these things all the time? Are we really celebrating the nation at those moments, or are we just happen to be? I mean, because I, I mean, as much as people, you know, having been in sport and you yourself as well, right? And, and specifically, I've seen it, you know, more when I work for when I do things with the Indians. I'm more in the concourse on on a general game day when I was doing stuff in the league. I was generally either in a tunnel or on the sideline or in a press box. So it was a different environment. The last, you know, what, eight years I've done games for the Indians. Prior to this kneeling, Tony, and even after, even after the initial season of it, nobody, I mean, nobody stops all the people running to get their beer, all the people talking on their cell phone. I mean, to me, if you're going to say that the kneel down is an issue, well, well, then how come people aren't stopping all these other folks that are, you know, trying to get in the game? Like, people yell at our ticket takers. Because I used to have our ticket takers stop, right? Hey, it's the National Anthem. Let's stop taking tickets and for the minute. Let the anthem play. And then, it's, you know, 90 seconds. That's it, right? Typical National Anthem is 90 seconds or less. Yeah. People, we'd be yelling. Well, no, I, 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 so, I, get, that. I get that. And in my, I, I guess my thing is I, I, I come at it from... I mean, to me, I can't hear it enough. Um, why it's played, I, I, you know, I don't know. But the, the, the fact that it that it is played, I, I mean, I don't. I, and that's, a, that's I, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I just feel like that. Well, and the other problem that I have with with just cap, well, I, I'm not, you know, full disclosure. I don't believe Colin is is 100 percent into actually seeking reform. And, and why I say that is because. Where's the where's the list of demands? I mean, to say that I'm kneeling because of injustice, well, that's fine. Well, then what's what's the end game? Like, what are you looking for? Where where the um, you know, give us give us some metrics, right? That we need to to meet in order. Yeah, because if you're just saying, well, I just want everybody to love one another and and, and look at, well, that's never going to happen. That will never happen. Not not here in this country. Not in any country. I mean, you know, just that's human nature. Um, so what are we looking for? Like, what are we looking to do? And I've been saying this ever since the George Floyd, uh, incident, you know, a, a lot of our, our students, um, you know, immediately there was the posts of the memes comparing, you know, the riots to the Boston massacre. And I said, that's fine. If you want to make that leap, if you want to make that comparison, but do know 
the result of that, you know, Boston Tea Party and Boston Massacre was the Declaration of Independence. So let me know when this collection of, of, of minds is, is gathering to come up with this, you know, document or list of demands that's just going to blow the world away and, and, and solve this problem. Because I don't feel like we have those people in place. We, you know, that's really um, what this country lacks is leadership from top to bottom. And, and, and that goes for, you know, president, governors, mayors, um, civil rights. I mean, we do not, there is no MLK marching around out there. Well, right but now. I think, I but mean, even in MLK's time, right? You had, I mean, you had Malcolm X, right? Who was, you know, I mean, so you, I don't think you're, you're never going to be able to get a full coalition of 100% of people. You're always going to be pissing off somebody. Yeah. So, you know, I don't have a problem with the kneeling as long as folks don't have a problem with, people who stand right because that's the thing is hey if you respect if i have to respect your right to kneel then you have to respect my right to to not kneel to to be able to stand and that does not mean that i don't support your cause it just means i am not going to support it in this very specific way that you want me to support it because personally i don't believe i would kneel but that doesn't mean I don't understand why people are kneeling and it doesn't mean I don't respect your right to kneel and and know what it's about and why you're doing it. And that's that's the way I look at it. Just you know, I'm not full on Drew Brees in that hey, you're disrespecting the flag or or all of those types of things but, because what it what that anthem and that flag means to you is different than what it means to me. So don't tell me what it means to me as long as I am not able to tell you what it should mean to you. And that's that's where I separate the thing. And I would agree with you. I haven't followed the whole Kaepernick evolution type thing from the the beginning. I mean, obviously, we were pay, paid attention there for, for a while, and then it kind of disappeared. And I know he's been donating money and doing some of those types of things and going to schools. But I would agree with you. I haven't seen a lot from the Players Coalition or from those folks in terms of, plans or, or objectives or, or policies and, and I'm not saying that they have to do that but if you want to make progress we have to know not these broad strokes of obviously I think I don't think there's too many people in the country that would like to end police brutality or or racism or those types of things yeah. right I think yes okay great I I I think yeah. I think you got a, a pretty strong coalition. Like you said, you probably don't have 100% of people, but you probably got a large, large, large majority. How do we how do we do that? You know, I'm not a policy expert, you know. I'm I'm a guy that that teaches sport management and and, and does some stuff like this uh, on the side for fun. So, I might have some ideas on certain things, but I'd like to have conversations and I haven't seen uh, people taking those conversations to that next level, to that policy level. And maybe it's because they've been shut out with that, by those folks, but I think they had a strong enough support group at the time that they could have started working on some things, you know, a smaller scale to, to, to prove um, effectiveness or or move the needle a little bit. And I, I just don't know enough. To, yeah, and I just feel like, you know, for me, my, my frustration just it boils over because I feel like how many times are we going to allow lightning to jump out of the bottle? Because with George Floyd, you had lightning in a bottle here. I mean, there, there wasn't, I, I mean, I'm sure there's some racist 
trash out there that felt like it was justified. But I, <laughs> I, I gotta believe it in the history of these these shootings. Um, you know, typically it's you know somebody running or someone pulling, pretending like they're pulling. This had nothing to do with any of that stuff. Um, it was a clear cut, you know, violation of someone's human rights that led to their death. Everybody was on board. So you finally have lightning in a bottle, and you don't hear Kaepernick uh, speaking publicly. When the cities are burning, you don't hear athletes coming out and saying, hey, man, like, this isn't what we're here for. And, and that's where the, the message gets muddled. And, and I think I mean, you had a couple guys. I mean, maybe not necessarily athletes. I mean, obviously, maybe the name is a, a, a misnomer. I mean, obviously, I think a lot of people saw the Killer Mike presentation down in down in Atlanta and it's funny that he's become like what he's become yeah. but um you know that was that was fairly eloquent off the cuff um and I, yeah but I would say yeah but and, and, and two two things too to, just to get back to your your point about um you know just because I kneel doesn't mean I'm for your cause that's where I think having the two separate moments that alleviates that problem because if you do the national anthem and everybody stands and then you have that moment of silence where everybody kneels, what is your excuse going to be if you say, I'm not kneeling for that moment of silence? Now it's completely isolated. You've taken away that, well, I'm not kneeling because uh, I, I respect the play. You've completely eliminated that excuse to where if you're not kneeling, then you are not for equality. That's yeah. the only reason you'd be kneeling. Yeah, I, and that's, kneeling. I mean, that's... Uh, I mean that's a that's a tougher one, um, just because yeah I think they could probably get it done in in the end I think you'd probably get it done at the professional levels, um, oh, getting it that. getting it done at at some of those lower levels might be a bigger challenge and then how do you how do you allow those kids at Baldwin Wallace or wherever you know that because I mean we had a student athlete that kneeled here um, during basketball season um, his senior year so. You had some of those types of things where, hey, what what is that going to look like? I think that might be that might be the best idea that I've heard so far. Is hey, let's let's. But the question becomes then, how long are leagues or those types of things willing to carry that out? Right? Is it just going to be one season? Is it going to be hey, now we're doing it for eternity? Right? In perpetuity, right? What's the and I think because I think that's the thing is they know they're going to play the national anthem and they know they're always going to play play the national anthem. Yeah. Are they going to be willing to commit to we're doing this every game, every season for until this group or that group says we're not doing this anymore? And then is it going to become a collective bargaining issue, right? And so that's where, that's where I think like in. In theory, I think that's that's probably the best theoretical idea I, I've, I've heard so far. Um, in practice, I don't know how far down the road that's going to get you, and, and and that becomes the challenge. But I think that that is a an eloquent solution to an ineloquent problem. And then, but the larger, like I said, the larger question for me becomes: is what is that long term impact of that going to be? Um, and maybe propose that, right? Shoot an email to somebody. <laughs> well, well and, and I think, it, like I said, it really comes down to how truly dedicated are people, uh, you, you know, athletes, how truly dedicated are they to making this happen? Because, you, you know, not to not to spin off a of football onto basketball, but the, the one voice that just aggravates me the most, for many reasons, is LeBron James and his, his complaint 
uh, or you know him jumping even on Drew uh, uh, Drew Brees. It's like listen, you can, it's easy to jump on Drew Brees when you're you're LeBron James and you've never taken it. You, you know you're so for it that you've never taken that knee because you don't want to take you know you know <laughs> the, the fine that the NBA is willing to issue. But the one thing I said years ago when this first started because both LeBron and Steph Curry had come out and said that they were for the kneeling. I said, if you want an impactful moment, don't kneel during the national anthem. I felt when they met during the NBA Finals, have LeBron and have Steph Curry meet at the circle, you know, before the start of the game, and when they throw the ball up for the, to the tip, you just simply let the ball hit the ground, and you, you take a knee then for a full minute. You know, and, and people say, well, you can't do that, though. You know, the, Oh, you can do whatever you want. Funny. You know, it's funny, when Kobe... You know, Kobe passes, no disrespect to Kobe, but what was the first thing they did? They, they did the 24-second violation for both teams. Yeah. So why could you have not done something that, when you think about it, those guys met in the NBA Finals four years in a row. How impactful would that have been? How much would that have moved the needle? It, when we're not talking a regular season game, an exhibition game, we're talking the NBA Finals. If they had taken that knee for a full minute during those games, I guarantee you, that would have moved the needle more than just saying yeah. Drew Brees is an ass, and we've always known he's an ass and a red, yeah. which is crazy. well. And I think I, mean, I think it's 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 always you know the the power of the moment you know when you can get those those high impact moments. I, I mean I've always said it, and I know this one's a little off topic, but it's like with the the collegiate student athletes and the, the name, image, and likeness stuff. I've always been a proponent of late November, right? Though that that weekend after Thanksgiving. Right when it's Ohio State, Michigan, uh, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, or whatever. It's all the big rivalry games that weekend, and you have college basketball playing, and it's still some of those early season games where teams are playing. So you know, Duke's still playing Kansas yeah. a little bit, and you have some that weekend. Bunch of soft tissue injuries, little back problems. Players can't play. Right, you want to sit at that table. Yeah, sit out those games. And guess what? You'll be getting that money right quick because, you know, CBS and ABC and ESPN, they're not paying for no games to be played. Uh, And if you can get those players to to come together and do something like that, I think, yeah, those can be very impactful moments. They can move the needle. Um, It will be interesting to see. I mean, like I said, the NFL did kind of backtrack a little bit. Um, I am more curious to see what happens with the NBA when they do resume. If players are going to kneel, um, kind of actually really, really interested to see. I think the NWSL, the National Women's Soccer League, and the WNBA will will participate wholeheartedly. Uh, I am not certain what's going to happen with the NHL and MLB because there's just there's just not a lot of diversity in those leagues to begin with. I mean, obviously you have a lot of diversity from a international standpoint in Major League Baseball, but you know, you do not have a lot of, you know, black MLB players um, comparatively to to some of the other professional leagues. So it'll be interesting to see how those leagues participate as well and kind of how this moves forward through the fall. So I guess we'll all just kind of have to stay tuned um, to see what happens. But it is. It's an interesting discussion. I think as long as people are open-minded and, and listening to people that might have opinions on either side of the thing, and I think... The, the issue that, that a lot of folks had with, with Drew Brees is him telling other people what it should have meant to them 
as opposed to him saying what it meant to me, right? And, and that's and that's like I said, that's the big thing for me. As long as we can have those open and honest discussions about, hey, this is what it means to you. I understand what it means to you, but here's what it means to me, and I would like you to respect that as well. Then we can have those beginning conversations. And yes, they're tough. They're not easy. Yeah. But this is not a tough, you know, this is not an easy time. This is a tough time. So, hey, if we can move forward with that, then I think we can get kind of those leadership coalitions together where, hey, we might have different opinions on certain things, but we're all shooting towards the same goal. Yeah. And and I think that's where if we can bring people together together, uh, we can have uh, substantial change kind of as we move forward. And I, and I agree. We'd like to see some leadership from, from all sides, some folks really step up. And you don't have to be a perfect person. And I think that's sometimes where, you know, somebody makes one mistake and, oh. and everybody's willing to rip them down. So, so if we, can, we can be on that train where it's, hey, you know, we're all trying to muddle through this and everybody's experiences have been different. Let's... Uh, Try to have an understanding of your experiences, my experiences, how they may differ, how I can learn from you, how you can learn from me, and and bring this to a head so we can we can stop senseless yeah. deaths. Well, yeah, and, and and I do believe it is important to listen to all sides because you know that, that cancel culture, as they call it, I mean it was never more evident than during that week with Drew Brees because I, I think what what made me laugh, cry, cringe all together was when you had guys that had played with him three, four plus years saying, well, you know, we've, we've always known he's been a racist. And it was like this dog pile on Drew. And it's like, we've always known he's been racist. Why do we have video clips of you, you know, racing after a touchdown and jumping into his arms or hugging? <laughs> like, like, like you were okay with it then. And now all of a sudden this guy well, put it on a dime, Tony. So yeah, now. <laughs> it's just that, that to me, I find that to be, I mean, it's part of the problem, though. It goes back to what we said. It's human nature, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody's going to dogpile. And, and, and to hear, I even had some of my former, I won't name names, but but some, I won't even say, but some former players that I worked with, let's put it that way. Uh, one of them was actually, uh, you know, actually charged with murdering, <laughs> actually murdering another human being of color. And he's going to come out and say publicly this guy's trash. He doesn't care about black people. Like, like, I mean, that to me is kind of where, you know, we're at. And I know that's an extreme case, but it's just a, a prime example of just how, how, how sensitive and touchy, whatever you want to call it, this is going to be to, to get this problem solved. And can NFL players solve this problem? No, I mean, they can shine a light on the problem. Ultimately, I'm not expecting Colin Kaepernick to, you know, create this declaration of independence that we're looking for. But but I certainly would like for their, their message to be focused, and I would like for them to stay on point and, and to not let this thing spin into, you know, Tweety Bird, you know, is bad or whatever the hell, you know, the, the newest causes, bringing down statues. Let's focus on one thing at a time. I mean, I feel like the focus is so far away from the actual police brutality that now it's like starting to spin out into these other things and we've got to stay away from that so for me maybe i'll craft a letter to roger i mean as he, he's bunkered in his basement and just let him know i think the moment of silence in, in, in a collective kneeling after the anthem because then the anthem allows you to show unity as a country the kneeling allows you to show unity 
as a country also without the perception of people being disrespected. And yeah, I don't think focus, I, I don't think that I, I like I said, I don't think that's a bad idea. I just think I I think the 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 question um the execution long term on that. How long would the league or leagues be willing to do something like that? And, and we got a seventh inning stretch in baseball. Well, I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I'm not arguing. Yeah. I'm not arguing with WSP you on. And it's a cracker jacks, but, you know. but but yes, but those the, that issue tends to be you know because that's the thing is okay when this thing kind of because it will right as things do something right the elections right around the corner you know that's going to eat up a lot of airtime so do things kind of peter out at that point right and and so that's that's the thing is how long would leagues and, and teams be willing to continue to have something like that uh, top of mind on consciousness. I think it should be uh, pretty much, well, if people are going to kneel during the anthem, then it's going to be a topic anyway. Yeah. So so why not provide this other opportunity? Hey, I, I can't necessarily disagree with that, but uh, I think it is it's a learning process for a lot of people. And, and let's just try to educate folks as opposed to you know, start fights and and Twitter scream at individuals for um, things that they may say that that they just may be uneducated. And yes, it might be some ignorance or some unwillingness on their part. Everybody, you know, isn't you know a freaking Rhodes Scholar uh, yeah, well, <laughs> on race relations. Yeah, everybody, so everybody has. Everybody's grown up in a in their own different environment. I mean, there's no two people that have grown up, even if you're a brother and a sister, and you're still one of you is going to be treated differently than the other. Uh, you, you know, whether it's you know men, you and Tommy people, aren't uh, identical. No, we are not. <laughs> uh, you know, so it, you know everybody's coming at this from a different perspective, and when you have 350 plus million different perspectives, it, it makes it difficult to come up with. One answer, like you said, that everybody's going to get on board yeah. with. And that's what I think. I think, hey, people are going to be pissed off either way. So um, try to find a way to, to bring people together. That's that's all I got yeah. um, from that standpoint. That, I think that was a good discussion. You know, covered a lot of areas. Again, Browns backers, we are back. This was our first week back after a two-week uh, layoff. So thanks for tuning in. Again, we're brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You can find us at Browns Believe. That's at Browns, B-L-E-A-V. That's on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us at Believe Podcast. That's at B-L-E-A-V Podcasts, And that's Twitter and Instagram as well. If you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. Thanks for tuning in, Browns backers. And we'll see you next week. Jump check. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.